Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. One of my favorite quotes is from C. Joy Bell that says, You will find that it is necessary to let things go simply for the reason that they are heavy. So let them go, let go of them. Today, Neil and I are discussing what we've let go of to make room for better things in our lives. Labels, past experiences, burdens that don't belong to us. We're also talking about how to do this and some things you can evaluate in your life so that you have room to really step into who you were meant to be in 2024. Well, today is January 1st when this comes out. So happy new year, everyone. Happy new year, Neil. Happy new year. And today we're going to talk about something that I read on Instagram that was so profound. It stopped me in my tracks. And you know, when you see something that's so good, you have to read it a few times to really let it sink in. This was one of those. And I shared it with you and you loved it too. So we decided to do a whole episode on it. And it's from Brennan Bouchard, who I love, who... I went to an in-person coaching summit with him this past year, and it was just incredible. He's such a dynamic person. He really understands self-development and self-improvement. And this thing that he said on Instagram about 2024 was extremely profound to me. He said, do not move on to 2024 without letting go of something significant from 2023, an old idea, label, habit, fear, concern of ego, let go in order to free up the space for something new and extraordinary to enter. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So I love that idea. Well, what I love about it is I think that so many of us, myself included, get into this mode of like, okay, what's the new year going to look like? And you put all this pressure on yourself to reinvent or recreate or, you know, hurry and get better and be the person that you need to be and people make jokes and memes out of the gyms getting filled up and all of those things. I think though what he's talking about is something that's not even considered by most people of like, well, wait a minute, before you add something, what do you need to let go of? And for me, when I think about the past and I think about some of the most significant times that I've let things go, I mean, my mind goes right back to my recovery in codependency and how for years I just carried around this enormous burden of babysitting your addiction, of checking in with you and trying to keep up on what I thought you were maybe, you know, like looking at your phone, trying to make sure all of our devices were locked down, trying to just, it was such a huge task of always trying to stay up with that. And I was clearly also always failing because if you're trying to control someone else, especially someone else who has an addiction, it's not going to work out very well. I don't care what circumstance or situation you're in. People will do what they want to do, especially addicts who are, you know, confined to the prison of being a slave to that addiction. 
once they're in that relationship that the addiction controls their life, another person trying to come in and control it out of them is just not going to work. So when I finally realized that and let it go, it created so much space for, I mean, just here's one example, business travel. I remember when I needed to go out of town for business, I would get so keyed up about, well, how do I make sure that everything's locked down and I need to check on you so many times of the day and being able to just let that go and say, this is not my job. Neil's a big boy. He's in charge of himself. Allowed me to go on business trips or leave the house even to go to the grocery store for heaven's sake and have a clear mind and not let the obsession of controlling your addiction take up all of my mental space and energy. It really freed me to be able to be my own person. Yeah. Well, I think that's super important and it doesn't change anything. I mean, I think especially with addiction, for sure, it's like people are going to do what they're going to do. Like if there's a decision for me being in a bad spot or bad place, like it's kind of once that decision is made up and your your the obsession of the mind is there <clears throat> then it's it's really kind of like nothing's going to stop you you know and and so somebody else controlling that yeah you might have marginal you know some roadblocks put up but if if you're in active addiction like you'll find a way around it so it doesn't really do anything to try and control it And ironically, when I let that go, it allowed you to just be in charge of yourself and then really decide, like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah, then it was on me, for sure. Yeah. Well, what are some things that you have let go that have been life-changing for you? Well, some things that I'm trying to... I think a lot of... I had a conversation with a friend recently about this. He's he's really kind of a motivational type of an influence, motivational speaker. Um, and one of the things that, that he really kind of talked to me a lot about was a quote that he shared with me. Um, and it was actually from Martin Seligman, who's a, a psychologist kind of, um, but he says, much of the history of psychology has been dominated by a framework in which people and animals are driven by the past. So it was really cool, this conversation. It made a lot of sense to me. And he, he talked about a um, another psychology, uh, you know, psychologist that he talked to, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who's a PhD. So he wrote the book, Personality Isn't Permanent. So it's this, I love that. this idea that the concept of basically when you have traumas or past failures and even past successes, a lot of times we attach meaning to that like an I am type of, of statement based off of that. Like, well, I'm I'm this because this happened. I can't be good in my profession because I failed in this part of my life. Therefore, like I failed in sales once. Therefore, I'm not a sales guy. You know, that was one for me um, that I, you know, had to kind of work through. Or this happened to me in my past, and so now I can't trust people, or I can't have a good relationship because of this thing. So his whole kind of the premise and the the premise of the book, and um, really what what he says here, and, and the and the description of the book says why you should never be the former 
quotes, anything, because defining yourself by your past successes is just as damaging to the growth, to, to growth as being haunted by past failures. And then how to design your current identity based on your desired future self and make decisions here and now through your new identity. So instead of looking at, well, what happened in the past, how does that affect my future or my, my present? Looking at, okay, in the future, I want to be this type of a person. So therefore, how does that, you know, that, that framing affect my present? Well, Marie Kondo has a really great, I, you remember Marie Kondo, right? I watched yes. those videos of her folding everything and her method of clearing things out is so interesting. She makes you take everything out of your closet. Like you're not allowed to stand there and just, you know, cherry pick a few things that you want to let go of. You get everything out, you put it all in a pile, and then you look at each thing and say, have I worn this recently? Do I have a significant need for it in the near future? Or can I let it go? And she has this whole psychology of like releasing things with love. But she says... The question of what you want to own is actually a question of how you want to live your life. So going along with the psychological things that you're talking about, I think that you're also, whatever you choose to let take up real estate in your mind and in your emotions, that is defining the way you're living your life. So maybe sit with that for a minute and just think about, what are the things that you think about a lot? What are the things that, I mean, what was that like for you? I watched a huge transformation with you that we've talked about on the podcast where I feel like you had an obsession of mind with Dave's death and, and how that happened. And then you reached a point where you let it go. Yeah. Well, a lot of the way that, kind of the way that my mind works is it's almost like coding, like once I get an idea in my mind, then it becomes kind of like if then type of thinking. Mm. So it's like, well, if I am a victim, then I would act in this type of a way. Or if this bad thing happened to me and I'm angry about it and I'm upset about it, then it it just kind of autom- it's almost like an automatic thought of like, well, okay, then I'm angry. Then I'm angry at the world. Then I've been wronged. Um, and that becomes my attitude and my belief, and then it affects everything. So it's not just isolated to one part of my life. So while I was in that thought process of like, I've been significantly wronged, my family's been wronged, there's a a severe injustice in my life, um, then that kind of thinking and that, that feeling infiltrated like everything my relationships and it just created a lot of anger and resentment and negativity. And so it's hard to be successful in your relationships or in your life or to be even happy or positive when that's the thought process or that's the coding that's kind of dominating your life. And so that's what, what basically what it was for me until I worked through a process and work through almost, you know, basically like a repentance process of trying to forgive others and be patient with myself, forgive myself for, for my own thinking and, and way that I handled things um, mentally or emotionally or thought toward them. And then making a, a choice with 
God's help to move on from that um, and and let it go. And so that made a significant difference for me in my life and changed things significantly. Then it's it kind of became, okay, well, I can I can be different now in the present. I can live a different life now because I'm no longer bound down by this kind of coding that I developed through a negative experience. Well, I think some of the challenge with this can be, and this is what I would feel kind of in the early days of my recovery where people would say, you know, just let it go, just surrender. And I would be like, that sounds so great, but that just is so unrealistic for me when this addiction of my husband is completely, you know, ruining my life. I felt like, you know, how could I possibly let this go? It affects everything. It affects our finances. It affects our marriage and our children. And I had so many reasons like this, just laundry list of excuses of why I had to just have this death grip on your addiction. And so this is something I talk a lot about in the Becoming Code of Free Boot Camp, but detaching is one of the first and most important steps where you're not even necessarily fully embracing this hugely transformative letting go exercise. It's just separating yourself from the other person that you're codependent with. And sometimes just loosely and gently letting go and not just, you know, finding this like harsh 180 turn about face like okay I'm just and sometimes that works sometimes that's great but sometimes it's better also to just realize okay this thing is taking over my life you know this trying to help someone else or trying to control something that I don't have control over so detaching for me has been a really helpful technique or tool to just be able to look at a situation and say, okay, I am going to release this person to God with love. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And sometimes you have to detach an anchor. Sometimes you're just like the only way to detach is to be like, fine, screw you. And you're angry and you detach that way. But it's so much better if you can to detach and love and say, I lovingly surrender this person or this situation that I can't control, like Dave's death, to God. I'm giving it to him. I'm going to detach myself. And then you can continue to work on, you know, fully letting that out of your life. But I think that first step for me, at least, is just the surrender and detaching. Just that first little initial, like, I'm going to cut myself off. I'm going to detach. I'm going to let God be in charge of this person instead of me trying to be the savior of their circumstances. And this doesn't have to be codependency. I'm just saying that like for me, that was one of the most significant things. But here's another example of letting go of something that just wasn't working. I I know you hate this phrase, but I love it. In essentialism, 
Greg McEwen talks about how Stephen King says, kill your darlings. And it just <laughs> sounds weird. I know to me, it does. But I get the point. But it makes a lot of sense, right? Because when you create something, it's like your baby, it's your child, it's your product, it's your brand, it's your whatever. And sometimes you have to stop and say, this thing is no longer serving my family, my marriage, my personal growth. Like, and so for me, last year, one of those things. And I can't remember when we created it, if it was in 2022 or 23, but there was a point where I was really trying to say, how can we diversify our business, which is always a smart thing to do, you know, having multiple streams of income and not just one. So I discovered this, there was like an article about how the guy, there was a guy who created this like travel subscription and he had people join like a monthly subscription and then he would send out these amazing super cheap flights and so he just like overnight built this massive subscription of all these people and then people loved it because in return they were getting all of these cheap flights and so I looked at that and thought well we have a business that's very similar where we serve people by giving them deals like we could give them even better deals if we gave them a premium subscription and had them pick like the categories of deals that they they feel like are you know most pertinent to them and then we'll serve them at kind of like a white glove VIP level and we'll turn it into a subscription service and we put a ton of time into it a ton of effort my team poured hours into it and then there just was a point where I looked at it and said this is not worth the amount of time it's not serving enough people and it's not worthwhile enough for us to keep this going and so that was one of those I had to let it go I had to let that go in order to make room for something else which another interesting thing too was my motivation for that it was to serve people but it also was it was like a oh financially this could be awesome for our business like if we could make this really work then then we wouldn't have to be so reliant on maybe some other streams of income and it was a financially driven decision to start that. And I, and I wanted to like really provide a meaningful service by giving this like VIP subscription service to people. But what I think is so interesting is the the motivation to start that was money and then it just didn't go anywhere. I mean anywhere significant. It didn't change our business. It wasn't like this huge monumental thing. And so letting that go, it, it was painful in a sense because I was like, man, we poured so much into creating this new thing. And it was like one of my little babies. It was like, kill your darlings, you know, but because I let that go and we've let a lot of other things go in the past where we tried something and it hasn't worked. Then this year when Coda Free really, I believe was just burst out of like one person asking a question and then me trying to just serve the audience for free for a month and then really feeling very, very called to create that work after that. That was all, in my opinion and in my experience, just divinely inspired. And so when you let go of things that maybe you're like, oh, like my motivation wasn't quite on par with my values or this just isn't serving us or whatever, then you make room for things and, and you allow God to show you what he wants you to do next. But if you're just hanging on to things that you built because you just can't let them go, then there's not a lot of room 
for new things to grow, for new opportunities to present themselves, or for new ways for you to serve others with all of the gifts and talents that you've uniquely been given. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I think you, a lot of the things you have to let go of too is, at least for me, um, is just the, the old ideas of, and thought processes, the old, I'm this or I'm not that, mm -hmm. or, you know, I've always been this way. And it's really amazing what we can do. Like, I think when you think from a, a framing, which is, which is true of like, you can develop abilities, you can change things, you can be, you know, have a, have entirely new goals or new skill sets. And, and I think when you, when I'm thinking in that terminology and recognizing like it, it totally changes the game. Like, I mean, I have a friend who's a, a heart surgeon. He's been on the podcast, Dr. Sageman, which is so funny. Cause I think of him, I'm like, Oh, it's fab. Like I used to go like skateboarding with this guy and, you know, do fun things. But the cool, like watching that progression in his life is, you know, back when we were friends in high school or even, in, even out of high school in our early, you know, early twenties, we, as far as like medical knowledge, we were kind of on the same place. We didn't know anything. He didn't know anything, but he totally took, took a path, put in the effort, like set a course, charted that course. And now is performing open heart surgery, like highly successfully. And it's just that rec recognition of, you know, if, if you seeing the possibility or not being stuck in a belief system of like, man, I, I just can't do anything new or anything different or develop a new skill set or a, move in a new direction. Like just the, the mindset of that alone can keep you stuck um, and, and keep you in the, a rut that you don't want to be in. Well, there are two really cool professional examples that I found when I was researching this topic and getting ready for this podcast. And one of them is J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series. This is such a cool example. So she was a single mother living on welfare, struggling with depression, you know, barely getting by. And she let go of her fear of failure and fully pursued this passion for writing that led to... <laughs> Like one of the most beloved and successful literature series ever written of all time. And so thinking about, you know, where she probably mentally would have been in the beginning of that journey and just feeling like, man, I have to be on welfare and I'm a single mother and how much she had to believe in herself and let go of labels or fears or insecurities that probably had built up during that low time for her, how significant that must have been for her to go from that to becoming who she was meant to be as this brilliant writer. And Steve Jobs was similar too, where he, you know, was basically kicked out of his own company. Like if you've watched the movie, what's the movie that we watched that we love? Is it called Jobs? I think so. There's a, there's a couple of them that are uh, about Steve Jobs. Well, we watched it on VidAngel, first of all, but it was with Ashton Kutcher, right? Yeah. And it just shows like how his career unfolded. And it's very interesting because I think most people only know that little, you know, clip that maybe we saw in the early 2000s of him presenting the iPod and the iPhone in his turtleneck and his jeans and New Balance sneakers and just looking like the 
like nerdy genius that he was and thinking like, wow, this guy just was born brilliant and created something amazing and changed the world. But really the backstory of that was he got kicked out of the company that he co-founded and then went on to create another company that then was so well done that Apple came back and acquired that second company called Next. And then he, you know, had a second huge run in Apple where that's where he created the iPod and the iPhone and virtually changed the world. So for you, Neil, I want to go back to your career, like that kind of getting yourself out of that low. What did you do? Because I feel like sometimes people can hear this and be like, well, that sounds great, but I'm in a low. Like I'm that mom that's a single mom struggling, or I just lost my job, or I feel like I'm barely getting by. Like, what did you do to actually make some of those changes that allowed you to step into the light that you are now and step into some of these really incredible roles that you've been able to embrace? It's been a process for me. Um, I mean, I wish I could be like, well, I just made a decision and, and went with it and it was awesome. And now I'm great. And you know, all things are wonderful. Definitely. It's been a process. And I think, um, I'm trying to see. But literally take us to some of the, like, can you remember anything you did or key moments or, because I, I think that's where I can get lost sometimes where I'm like, well, that's great. But how? You know, if you're the, if the person that's listening to this is going like, I'm stuck, Neil, (laughs) tell me how. I don't don't have a formula. I mean, I think like spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, taking spiritual actions for me, I think a lot of times that's, that's where I've found, I I guess success is a weird word to use in this sense, but it's kind of the recovery principles of I can't. God can, so I think I'll let him, which is like a short version of steps one, two, and three in the 12 steps. Right. But thinking from a framework of, okay, you know, I, I in and of myself have, you know, maybe have, have gotten myself into this place or have been inadequate in some way or multiple ways or whatever the, whatever happened. I mean, that's not as relevant, but recognizing, okay, there is a higher power I, that I believe in. I believe, you know, I call my higher power God or Jesus Christ, um, that that he wants what's best for me and knows what I need and, you know, wants me to be able to provide for my family or, um, you know, be successful or provide a service or, or ta- use my talents or abilities to bless the lives of others. So he wants that for me and and he can show me how to do that if I listen and engage spiritually and um, and try and follow what I feel, my intuition, your gut, you know, what we would say like in, in our faith, like the spirit, what that tells me. So that's by going about that process and trying to listen and being open, a lot of the things that I... Um, you know, that we did professionally or um, ideas or, or professional career paths were way different than what I ever would have thought. Completely or different. maybe back in my, you know, what I thought was my professional lane, 
I would have been like, no way, I'm not going to do this or I'm, I'm whatever. I had maybe some, some negative preconceived notion about, but being open and willing and, and humble and being like, okay, I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do. Um, that's really the only way that I've found any success in anything. So loud. So I hope I'm saying this name, right? Said when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. And I feel like watching you change, even watching myself change, watching so many people change who we've seen just drastic, drastic changes has been so cool because when you look at someone who's really burdened by addiction or by their past or by things that are haunting them and then they let go of that and step into this partnership with God where it's like, hey, who do you want me to be? And they let him lead them. You see people becoming who they were meant to be. And it is such a cool transformation to see. And I don't think it has to happen overnight. I don't think it, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. I also think that while it's so great to manifest and to set goals, and I'm a big believer in that. Like I love to write down goals and thoughts and brain dump and do all of those creative things. Like that is kind of the zone that I live in. I also think, like you're saying, the very best path to becoming exactly who you're supposed to be is surrendering to God and saying, okay, you show me. Like, and that's such a interesting contrast to look at, you know, an idea that I had that I don't think really came from God. It was just like something that I read where I was like, Ooh, how could we take that idea and make it our own? And because we've, you know, created such a great business with Mint Arrow, maybe we could give this service to other people and it could be this like big thing. And it really didn't end up being a big thing. And I think it's just because it was kind of like this idea that I thought, yeah, like let's run, let's run toward this because it could be really financially beneficial where a lot of the things like you're saying that have made, that have had the biggest impact and that have really been the type of thing that like, if we die, it wouldn't have mattered, right? If we had created some big, like, great, let's say that that subscription service had just exploded and totally replaced all the other streams of income. Like if we died the next day, it would be like, well, great. But what, what impact did we make on people? Or, you know, did, were we really spending our time in the most meaningful way? But some of these other things, even this podcast, this podcast came about because when we would go to the temple, it was like the thing that just kept nagging at me every time. Like I need you to start a podcast. I need you to start a podcast. And even like i distinctly remember waking up out of a dead sleep where God was like, I need you to do this and I need you to do it now. And I was like, okay, okay. And we started it and then Dave died. And I feel like that was one of many things that just kind of kept us going. It was like, well, we committed to this. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep getting out of bed. Let's keep working on it together. And it was so like God could see what was coming before we could. And many, many other things where I feel like it wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. It was like revelation that we just, we heard it and we acted on it. And those have been the coolest things. Not always necessarily the biggest, like our podcast is not our biggest moneymaker by any means, but I think it has been one of the biggest impact makers 
And that's what really matters to me and to you. You know, that's something that actually carries on into the next life. If it helps people to feel closer to God, if it helps people to have better relationships in their family, if it helps people in their self-development, whether they're codependent or they're an addict or they love someone who's an addict, like those are the things that actually matter in the next life. And I feel like when you're willing to completely surrender to God's will, then he takes care of all the other details. And he's like, well, maybe this won't be your most successful financial venture, but I'm going to make it up to you in other ways so that you can keep going with this work that I need you to do. That's what I've seen. And I feel like that's what you've seen too. Yeah. That's usually, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I've seen. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there are people who are just geniuses that have talents that are insanely crazy and amazing. I, I've never considered myself to just be one of those people. I'm just kind (laughs) of your average bear when it comes to a lot of the genius stuff. But I do believe in in exactly what you know I said earlier. I believe in God. I believe he has a plan and he knows who I am and he knows what I'm capable of or what he wants me to do and he wants what's best for me. And if I listen and try and follow, that he'll direct me, direct us like where he needs us to go, which will be for our like ultimate best welfare. Um, so that's that's basically it. Yeah. So I would say whether you're the person who's like, yeah, like I've got all my goals, like I'm ready to go. I'm going to dominate 2024. Awesome. Or if you're the person who's just like, I feel so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start. Like my life is falling apart. And, you know, I was feeling a little bit that way a couple of days before Christmas where we like sprung this kitchen leak. You were sick. Bobby was sick. It was kind of like, oh my gosh, all these things are suddenly falling apart. If you're feeling that way, maybe just start with instead of trying to figure out what your big thing is going to be in 2024, maybe just decide instead what that one thing is that you're going to let go. And then let God show you what your new great venture is, and he will show you the path you need to go down. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. We're so grateful that you spent time with us today. Make sure you go follow us at Corinne Stoko or at Mint Arrow Messages on Instagram. And then if you have a second and you love the show, I would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the only way people can find out about us if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much.